Welcome to Creation Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Riddle. We have a very interesting topic today called, You've Come a Long Way, Baby. And our guest is medical doctor, Joseph Cazell. Welcome, Dr. Cazell. Mike, thank you very much for having me here today. Now, you've actually done a video on this called, You've Come a Long Way, Baby. Would you tell us what this video is really about? Yes, it's about the changes in the circulatory system and the baby that occurs at birth, the differences from what the setup is physically before birth and after birth. I thought the baby just came out and that was it. Oh no, it's far more complicated than that. Uh, first, I'd like to talk about the situation in the adult circulation so that can be understood before talking about what happens prior in the uh, womb. In the adult circulation, the left side of the heart pumps the blood to the body through the real big artery called the aorta. Then it comes back from the body to the right side of the heart and then is pumped to the lungs where then the blood is reoxygenated and then it returns to the left side of the body. It's a very simple, straightforward flow system. I like those words, left and right. I understand them. <laughs> That's right. However, in the baby it is developing inside the womb, it's a very, very different situation and there are several bypasses in the system because the baby is not able to breathe air from the outside because the baby is enclosed in this amniotic sac, this fluid-filled sac, while it is developing inside the uterus. And so, therefore, the lungs are not functioning and they're simply growing and developing. So instead of 100% of the blood coming out of the heart, out of the right side of the heart, going through the lungs, only 10% of that blood flow is then directed to the lungs and through the lungs themselves. The other 90% of the blood flow coming out of the right side of the heart is shunted, is bypassed around the lungs. And there is a special connection uh, that is called the ductus arteriosus in Latin, that just simply means the arterial duct or tube, which connects the pulmonary artery, the artery that goes to the lungs, to the aorta, the large artery that serves the entire body. So that that 90% of blood is shunted around the lungs. It's kind of like when you have construction on a freeway and you do a bypass, a detour around that construction site. So that this bypass, this detour is maintained until the moment of birth. So this is not some simple process. This is a very complex process. It, it is extremely complex. And I've only told you about one of the many parts that are involved and necessary for this to happen. There, there is another bypass that is in place as well. And that involves the blood that is coming back from the placenta, which is the organ that oxygenates the blood while the baby is inside the mother. And in addition to the oxygenation, it also provides for the exchange of nutrients and waste products for the baby as well and gets rid of the carbon dioxide from the baby and puts that into the mother's blood. So you're telling me th this baby is a separate human being in there? Absolutely separate and physically separate, although surrounded by the mother, genetically distinct, and also in terms of the immune system, very different. That's why there have to, also has to be special systems in place to prevent the mother's immune system from rejecting that developing baby. Now, you mentioned the placenta. Is, how necessary is that? 
<laughs> Without it, there's no life. No life. So that placenta is taking the place of a lot of organs at that time? Many organs. It does the job of the lungs. It does the job of the kidney. It does many, many things to keep the baby in a viable, developing, healthy state. So it's like a super organ. It is a super organ. And it totally surrounds the baby with a giant, it has several layers, and one layer is just a giant cell that totally surrounds the baby. Now how could that have evolved? It couldn't. It couldn't. There's no way. This is, this is getting along to the, what we sometimes hear, the miracle of birth. Well, it's not just the miracle of birth, it's the miracle of development. From the very first get-go, from the beginning, when conception takes place all the way through, there are so many very complex things that have to happen. Uh, it, would, it could take a whole semester to describe all these things that happen. And you've taught these things in schools. And I, and yes, I've taught these things at the university level, yes. This is incredible design, and, and incredible designs require what? An incredible designer? Absolutely. And who might that designer be? The God of the Bible. Very. This is incredible, the, the, the human being. Now, the, the baby's not using its lungs in there. When does it start using its lungs? Well, it how starts, does that happen? It starts using its lungs uh, after the moment of birth. And there are multiple things that have to happen at that uh, time uh, because it's having to make the transition from breathing in this watery world into breathing into an air-filled world. And among the other things that have to happen, uh, there are other things I still need to describe to you what happens before we even get to the transition, to the change. Because in addition to those two bypasses that I mentioned, the one around the lungs, and the second one I, I was just beginning to mention, the one around the liver, so that most of the blood comes from the mother directly to the heart, uh, allowing just enough flow to the liver so the liver can grow and develop. Uh, the blood is then taken from the placenta through a couple artery, uh, I'm sorry, veins, which then uh, empty into the right side of the heart. But the amazing thing is, is there is a special window in the top half of the heart that allows the blood to go directly from the right side to the left side so that the blood that has the highest level of oxygen can make the most shortcut route to get to the brain and to the arteries that supply the heart itself. So in your, in your video, you've come a long way, baby. You really mean that, don't you? From, Absolutely. From a single cell to developing this tremendously complex system inside the mother's womb. And then we gotta get out. Right, but there's even more to talk about before we get out. That sounds like a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> because that blood that makes that shortcut through the top half of the heart then goes out from the left side of the heart, supplies the coronary arteries, the arteries that supply the muscle of the heart itself, so it can do its job, get its fuel, and it can grow and develop, and also goes directly then to the brain. And then that blood goes through, the, the remainder of that blood goes through the aorta and is joined by the blood that was shunted around the lungs. So then that combined blood has less oxygenation than the blood that went first to the heart and lungs, but then serves the rest of the body. But there's even another amazing thing there that, that I didn't mention yet, which is in that combination of the blood that's flowing back from the body and from the mother, they come together in the same vein uh, as it approaches the heart, and that's called the inferior vena cava. It just means cavernous or cave-like big 
vein. I can understand vein, that. Right? And those two flows, the flow from the body and the flow from the mother, go side by side and they mix minimally. They remain separate so that the most highly oxygenated blood can remain, retain its high level of oxygenation as it gets to the uh, heart and to the, to the brain. But the amazing thing is, is that separation of those two blood flows in the same channel even are kept mostly separate even in the heart itself because of special structures inside the top half of the right side of the heart, the, the, and that's called the right atrium. Uh, there are special structures in there that maintain that separation of direction of flow inside that chamber of the heart so that the most highly oxygenated blood can still be maintained to get to the heart muscle and to the brain. It's astounding. These are highly designed structures. You know, if this was taught to our high schoolers in the way you've told it there and showed this incredible complexity that has to take place, I think we could stop a lot of abortions. I would think we would stop a lot of people from believing in evolution when they see this level of complexity that God has designed. I agree, We should absolutely. get you into a number of high schools just explaining this to these students. Well, you know, that's true. Because when people really understand the complexity and the design, the information that it had to come into these systems, I think they would realize that this uh, scenario that's called evolution is not a viable story. Yeah, it, it brings out a, a very special scripture here, and uh, you've, I think you've used it on your video. Psalm 139, and it, what Dr. Cazell has just shown is that scripture. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. There is no excuse. No, there isn't. I can't see how anybody who is a medical doctor could not see this cannot happen through evolution. Well, you know, it, the problem is, is the whole medical, I don't mean medical, I mean educational establishment just, just keeps drumming evolution uh, into from the very early grades on through. And it is uh, unfortunate, and until someone is, is shown that there is a different way of thinking, you know, they just swallow what they're told and, and move on. And it brings up another important scripture that you just alluded to. It's Romans 1, 19 and 20. We don't have an excuse for not believing in a creator. And you've just given us a tremendous reason why that scripture is true. The complexity that God has designed in that baby it's true. in order to get its first real breath. Now let's talk about what happens to get that first breath. Okay. <laughs> All right, because now there are changes that need to occur from the system I've just described to get back to that adult system, which I mentioned at the very beginning. And that is that these shunts have to close. So that bypass, that shunt, that detour that, that takes the blood away from the lungs, 90% of that blood going around the lungs, now has to close and very rapidly so that the baby can get fully oxygenated blood when it takes the first breath. So there is a system, multiple systems in place that cause that, that detour, that shunt to close down and clamp down very rapidly. Uh, one of them is just the higher level of oxygen itself in this blood taken uh, with the first breaths itself triggers the muscles surrounding the artery to clamp down, to close down, to help uh, shut down that bypass. There's another amazing thing in place where there is a particular uh, chemical that is made by the placenta that uh, tells that artery to stay open. 
But when the umbilical cord that connects the baby to the mother is clamped and then cut, the source of that chemical from the placenta is cut off. And when that chemical is no longer present, that's another signal telling the muscle in, around that artery to shut down. And this happens very quickly. So that the bypass in the course of, uh, t by the second day, has been totally cut off, uh, as opposed to most of it cut off right away. And then 100% of the blood is then going from the heart through the lungs in the same pattern as in the adult. But that's not the only change that occurs. The bypass around the liver um, from the blood coming from the mother is also uh, clamped off in terms of the um, muscles around it, shutting it down. And now then 100% of the blood then goes as it should uh, through the liver. It's just amazing that these things that occur, uh, there's no way they could have happened by themselves. So it's not a just a matter of these things happening. There's timing considerations in here. Absolutely. If something takes too long, that baby may not make it. Well, uh, there is a, a situation uh, called a patent, meaning open, patent ductus arteriosus. In other words, that bypass that, that takes the blood around the lungs does remain open occasionally, especially in the very premature babies. And so that needs to be uh, taken care of. Otherwise, there are problems with blood going where it shouldn't, oxygen not getting where it needs to be. And uh, when I was in training years ago, um, initially the only way to deal with that was surgery, have the surgeon go in there and, and tie that off. But now we have a medication which can cause the triggering of that muscle to contract and shut that off without having to have surgery. It's, you know, it's, it's just astounding. So many things have to happen. Again, fearfully and wonderfully made. Absolutely. God told us right there. That's right. Now, do you have any other words on, any more description you have on that? Because I want to get to another little topic before we finish here. Well, I would just like to mention that another whole topic that's related to this is where is the blood manufactured in this developing baby? Okay, in, in adults, it, our blood is formed in the bone marrow. But uh, babies don't have bones in the early stages of development, so where is it made? Well, initially, in the first third of pregnancy, it's in, made in a structure called the umbilical vesicle, which unfortunately in the past was given the incorrect name, the yolk sac, because of evolutionary presumption. But its proper term is umbilical vesicle. And that's the first site of blood production. Then in the middle third of pregnancy, the production shifts to the liver of all places, where it is then manufactured. And then finally, in the last third of pregnancy, the blood cells are produced in the bone marrow, which is finally coming to existence. But it's even more amazing than that because there are multiple different forms of hemoglobin. There are three different forms for the very, very, very early stage, the embryonic stage, and then it shifts to what's called the fetal hemoglobin, and then finally to adult hemoglobin. And we have these different kinds of hemoglobin because of the different situations of the balance of acid and base and the level of oxygenation, because these things change with the different stages of development of the fetus. And by the way, I'd just like to say that fetus too often is used as a term to try and dehumanize the baby, but fetus simply means little one, with the recognition that it's really fully human all along. Wonderful. Again, fearfully and wonderfully made. We gotta get you back here and talk about all the, the body, the human body. This is tremendous. 
we're going to get you back. We're going to turn everybody into medical students out there. <clears throat> that would be great. Now, you're not only a, a medical doctor, but you also run an organization in Arizona where you're from called AZOSA. Tell me about that. Well, the AZOSA, the Arizona Origin Science Association, is a young earth creation ministry, and we teach that we can trust the Bible from the very first verse to the very last, that it is the ultimate source of truth and information, and that when science is properly grounded in what Scripture tells us, then we have the correct understanding of how God did things and put things together. Now, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, and they wanted to bring you in to do a talk such as this, how would they do that? Just go to azosa.org, okay. and contact information is on the website. Great. <clears throat> like I say, I think schools should have this. They should get this information so they really see God is the designer of all things. It didn't happen by random chance. It's impossible. That's absolutely true. And you know that I, I teach a creation apologetics course at Arizona Christian University along with the other uh, biology medical courses that I teach. So anybody wanting to go into medicine would in that university, Arizona Christian University, should get you as a teacher because you have practiced this. Yes, I, I have. Uh, over 25 years I practiced emergency medicine in the Phoenix area and my students benefit from the combination of my practical real-life experience uh, with the academic knowledge and with the biblical perspective and in the courses themselves I integrate uh, these various issues as is appropriate with the subject matter. So if they've taken one of your courses, give me some of the courses you teach. Uh, I teach uh, pathophysiology which is the study of diseases. I teach uh, human uh, genetics, uh, cell and molecular biology, I've taught microbiology, ecology, anatomy and physiology, and the basic biology course for the science majors. And in this year coming up, I've been tasked with teaching organic chemistry. So when they get through one of your courses, you've actually given them enough information and training that they're getting ready for medical school. That's exactly right. And not just medical school, but in addition to some of my former students now being in medical school, I have a student who has just graduated through nursing school and others who are applying for a dental school, for physical therapy school as well. Excellent. So again, tell everybody how can they get a hold of you, because this is fabulous information. Uh, go to the internet and put in azosa.org. Okay. And if you'd like to get a hold of Dr. Gazelle's video, You've Come a Long Way Baby, you can go to our website, creationtraining.org. That's creationtraining.org. Any final words, Dr. Gazelle? I just appreciate the opportunity to be here and to share God's truth. Well, thank you, and God bless all of you out there today. If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website, creationtraining.org. Again, that's creationtraining.org. Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's word as it states in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear.